0: Thank you for tuning in and now for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast. You are listening to episode number 297 mentored hunts with travis sumner and i am your co-host and the guy who is working on wearing out a diaphragm call this summer
1: Hmm. and i'm your co-host and the guy who's spending most of his retirement on books still (laughs) (laughs) all right
0: very quickly do you care to share any of your recent uh, purchases with us?
1: Yes. I have one I'm really excited about. Actually, both of them I'm very excited about. But I just got Bob Clark's Cure for Wild Turkey Fever signed and in good condition mm. for 25 bucks from a library up in New Hampshire, I think is where it is. Don't ask me how I found it. It was in the dark web, I'm pretty sure. But I found it, bought it, and it actually came in. I was kind of skeptical because I had no confirmation. But mm-hmm. I got it. So, I think that was a great buy. I think it should sell for a lot more than that. Not that I'm going to sell it, but I'm pretty sure I got that really cheap. And then from one of our faithful listeners, I have an order in for Tall Timber Gabriels, which Mm -hmm. is supposed to be quite the rarity these days. And I've sent the money, and he's supposedly sent the book, and I'm supposed to be getting it next week sometime. So, I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Very nice.
1: Yeah, so I got, I just really hope my wife does not go in my turkey room because she might wonder why there's a giant stack of books in the corner. Yeah, and wonder how much that could have possibly cost. But you know, well, it's not turkey season, so
0: <laughs> they're not adult magazines, so I don't think she's going to raise too much cane about it.
1: Yeah, but they can be kind of pricey.
0: <laughs> Only if you tell her.
1: That's right. I got them all for $10. But Yeah. What's your what's your goal with the diaphragm call? Do you have a a current sound you're working on right now that you're wanting to perfect? Uh, yeah, you
0: know, I still have difficulty with the purr. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on purring. I don't want to purr with my Using my tongue, I don't want to purr using my lips, yeah. boating. And so, I'm working on the purr, it's something that I have always struggled with. And yeah. my goal is sometime in the near future to have it.
1: Oh, you'll get it
0: near perfected,
1: throw, it. throw that thing in your car, and every time you're in it, driving and calling, you'll get it.
0: So, do you have any tips on what you did to get your purr to sound so good?
1: Well, see. I tried forever to gurgle, you know, the back of the throat, oh, yep. you know, purr. I can't do it. So my purr that I do is a kind of a combo tongue and lips. They all kind of vibrate together, hmm. and uh, so the ultimate mo- motorboat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's how I get my purr, and I don't know, you know, I think my purr definitely sounds good enough. I I would say it's one of my weaker calls, but I think it is good enough. I've heard plenty in the turkey woods and haven't run any off that I know of with it. So,
0: yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know, there's not, it doesn't have to be perfect in the woods. And we all know that, you know, I want it to sound a certain way just for me and yeah. for no other reason. And And you get that and 90% of the people listening to the show get that. As far as is what I do good enough to work for a gobbler, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know why. I just, I can gurgle my throat easily with nothing in my mouth. I just can't get it to happen when I put the call in. Because that is that what you're trying to do is is yes. the, make the air in the back of the throat, and you know, yeah. rather than the, but.
0: Yeah, and my I, issue I can, with doing my lips or my tongue is air control.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, the purr is probably one of the harder calls to perfect, in my opinion. I think mm-hmm. that is a safe assumption. I mean, it, yeah, I would say it's pretty easy to make a purr-like sound, but it's very hard to master the purr yeah. on a diaphragm. And
0: I can do it well enough without a call, period. And I'm sure most everybody listening to this show, if they tried it, could do the same. You know, it's yeah. really not that hard of a sound to make natural voice or, you know, by doing the motorboat with your lips or your tongue. It's just, you know, yeah. what else am I going to practice?
1: You got to be doing something turkey related. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So anyway, that's what I've been working on. Hopefully I'll get a little bit better at it here sometime soon. And, you know, I can come on the show and demo it.
1: Yeah, bring it on. It'd be interesting to hear you do your old style purr with the tongue and then swap into your gurgling style and see what, you know, Mm -hmm. how big of a difference did it make kind of thing. That'd be interesting to hear.
0: Yeah. Well, the good news is I've got 254 days, 12 hours, 5 minutes and 41 seconds before I need to master the purr with the diaphragm call before spring turkey season in Alabama starts.
1: Well, if you fail to master it by then then you should probably attempt to master it before 268 days 11 hours and 43 minutes because that's when we're opening up here in tennessee
0: oh okay (laughs) very good
1: yeah so we still got a while but time's ticking off all the time we're getting closer
0: it is and for me the way work is going i have a feeling i'm going to wake up here in about a week and it's going to be turkey season
1: yeah well if you're Going to try some archery fall turkey hunting. You could be hunting in less than 60 days is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, that would mean I'd need to travel and get a bow.
1: Yes. I have a crossbow if you'd like to borrow it.
0: Well, I probably would need to try it with a crossbow because I am so good with a compound bow that I just had to quit bow hunting altogether.
1: It's an unfair advantage. You have... really is you're you're handicapping yourself with a shotgun is what you're saying
0: exactly i'm an exceptional shot with a compound bow
1: that is you know that's that's good of you man i mean you would have tagged out all five birds first week last year with the compound bow so it's good that you handicap yourself with the shotgun i think it's good
0: well it's only fair to all the other hunters
1: (laughs) robin hood himself so Mm -hmm. but yeah for real I'm going to try to stick one with the old stick bow this year. We'll see how it goes. I hope it works. Me too. I'd like to bring a gobbler home for fall.
0: Yes, sir. So well. today we have a pretty neat interview. This is with Travis Sumner, who's with the NWTF, and we're going to talk about mentored hunts. And we're going to really deep dive into mentored hunts. And so... I know, you know, we've talked about this numerous times, but you were not at the NWTF convention, and so you missed this interview, but you were fortunate enough to get to edit the interview.
1: Yeah, I got the really fun part of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, (laughs) you know, these hunts have interested me for a while because, you know, I'm interested in teaching others the sport of hunting. And I think it's something that as we... Most of us, as we get older, it's, you know, it's a tradition, a passion, a hobby, a pastime that we would like to pass down to others, whether that's our children, our nieces and nephews, co-workers, fellow churchgoers, neighbors, whoever it happens to be. You know, we want to share and give to other people all of the great things that we have gotten and learned from the outdoors. And these mentored hunts are a great way to do that. And so I was interested in getting Travis to sit down with me at the NWTF convention and really deep dive into these mentored hunts because there is so much to them to putting one on and having it be a successful event that you can't really cover it in an hour and he did a seminar on mentored hunts but I wanted him to come and sit down with me and really get into the down and dirty of these hunts and how to organize one what do you do about insurance where do you find land to hunt to put these hunts on where do you get your gear from all of these types of things and so we've got that today this, to me, is a very timely interview for us to air because without it being hunting season, now's a great time to be laying the groundwork for some type of mentored hunt this fall, winter, or spring. Yeah. And, so,
1: and these aren't limited to just turkey, as as you may hear in the interview, but, I mean, squirrel hunting, dove hunting, those are great ways to introduce people to the outdoors. Those are very good ways to get people in the woods or in a field let them experience shooting taking a life that kind of thing in a pretty easy fun way so and
0: yeah and and i would even venture to say that those are probably better types yeah. of mentored hunts to put on because it gives you a chance to interact with your mentee it you know and and for whatever reason It's interesting to me in talking to people who don't hunt, who say to me, well, so you turkey hunt and you deer hunt, you know, I think I could kill a turkey, but I could never kill a deer. Well, why is that? Well, because they're so cute and, you know, they, they're so pretty to look at and a turkey's just a bird. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm not going to say this to their faces, but what? Yeah. (laughs) It's still an animal. You're still taking a life. But yeah. if you view the life of that animal as being lesser than a deer or any other type of animal, then, OK, I get that. Now, I, 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 I should say I don't get it until you get to the point to where you're talking about killing a deer versus killing a human being. You know, yes, we're both still animals, but all right, we've crossed the line there. So, yeah, uh,
1: yeah that definitely crossed the line
0: yeah definitely (laughs) so you know it's funny to me to hear people say that but yeah a dove or a squirrel i just don't think you're going to get the reaction out of people that you would get if you'd take them out on a deer hunt and a deer was the first animal that they had ever killed
1: yeah i think it's a good way to ease people into it honestly because i mean a deer is kind of a i don't know they're very like beautiful creature just like a turkey in my opinion but they're just that that's more of a big moment I feel like when you kill your first deer than shooting a squirrel out of the treetop you know mm-hmm. it's almost more personal and but now that I'm a seasoned veteran I view deer as two back straps bunch of ham meat I mean I literally just see steaks when they walk out whereas a turkey I just have so much respect for him so I'm the opposite of who these people are you're describing yeah but I do think shooting a dove or a squirrel that can be you know a deer if you shoot it and it you know you spine it or something on your first shot that could be very traumatizing for your outdoor career from that point on you know what i mean yes Uh, I, i really think those those kind of sports deer you know squirrel and dove and You know, maybe even a pin quail hunt or something like that. Something real lighthearted where there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of fun being had. There's hopefully multiple shots. Like, it's just real lighthearted. I think that's a great way to introduce people. I agree. So, you want to hop on in here and hear what Travis has to tell us?
0: Yeah. Let's get in here and listen to this thing, and we'll catch you guys on the other side.
1: All right. See you on the other side.
0: Hey guys, I am here with Travis Sumner with the NWTF, and I went and put your card up. Travis, tell me your title. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Uh,
2: it's a mouthful. It's Hunting Heritage Center and Habitat Manager. Okay. So That is a mouthful. That's a mouthful, and I wear many hats. Uh, I've been with the Federation about five years. Uh, I have a two-fold job, I guess you could say. I manage our property. Uh, we have a Hunting Heritage Center 707 acres. Uh, there at our national headquarters. Right. And it's broken up into two sections. Of course, our Palmetto Shooting Complex, which is sporting clays, trap and ski, 3D archery, but we have the outdoor education side. So I manage it for wildlife and forestry habitat. We, we do demonstrations out there on how to manage the pro- your property if it's a landowner. We host landowner events, have two big ponds. Uh, but the other side is is what we're going to talk about today is we host our mentored hunts out there, deer hunts, turkey hunts, small game fishing events. Yeah. So, yep, that's that's the main side. But then the other side of my job is uh, you know our mentored hunts, uh, learn to hunt programs, um, and putting those together for us. Okay. Very good.
0: I mean, you know, with the big push now with with R3. Across many different conservation organizations, and you know, a little bit of help from Uncle Sam to you know, what you're doing is extremely important
2: to the survival of the sport. It is, and you know, people need to understand you know, it's um, where we are with hunting and and having hunters out there. Uh, You know, a lot of folks don't do it anymore. You know, I grew up hunting and and fishing and the outdoors. But again, people need to understand that you know you're, it's conservation first, and then I'm a hunter. Um, and without our hunters, we can't pay for conservation. Um, you know, we need to take care of the resource first. Right. And without hunters that, that help flip the bill and pay the money to support restoration efforts, habitat work. You know, that, that's our that's something that was here before we started hunting. So we need to take care of that. Yeah. So it's very important that. We continue that on, and in today's world, uh, folks go a different direction than hunting. And that's part of what the National Wild Turkey Federation and what we're about is to get folks involved and, and make sure they're taking care of the conservation side first and supporting them. Yeah.
0: So I think, you know, obviously what you're doing is important. These mentored hunts are extremely important because, you know, people who who are curious about hunting it's a great way for them to be able to kind of stick their toe into the water so to speak without investing a bunch of money that's right and buying all the gear that you and i have acquired <laughs> over god knows how many years that's right and you know this it's a very good thing to do with these mentored hunts and i think you know the majority of the listeners already know the importance of, of putting these types of hunts on but man there's like for me i'd be interested in in you know working with our local chapter and one of the local chapters in the birmingham area to put one on but i look at it and think good gosh this is a mountain to climb this, there's right. there's a lot to putting a, a hunt, hunt on like this so where i guess kind of where would somebody start in right getting one of these hunts put together
2: i you you mentioned you know putting your toe in the water for the first time i think for a lot of people what they get nervous about is you know can i do this Is it a a a big on taking for me to do and put on a hunt you know first of all i would tell you know that what you need to do is okay what kind of hunt do we want to do first uh and and planning and you want to plan this of course you know way in advance um look at the resources you have, can we hunt deer, are we going to go squirrel hunting, are we going to duck hunt, are we going to deer hunt, are we going to turkey hunt, right. um, what land access is. So it, first decide that, and then hey, if it's, if it's nothing but a squirrel hunt, we say, okay, that's great. And then the next step is, is that, okay, what's the group we're going to target? Is it going to be kids, is it going to be young adults? Is, and particularly with R3, we're after that young adult generation. So once you've done that, it's okay. The ball's rolling, yeah. And you know, it takes a little bit of determining. You know, once you've got what we're hunting and who we're taking, then we have to look at how big a hunt we want to do. Um, I think if you're starting out, quality's better than quantity. I've learned that over the years. You know, it, the more numbers, you know, we talk about, we got to get a bunch of people. In. Well, you can't, you want to make sure, particularly with this R3 movement and trying to retain these hunters, is that you make it fun, make it personable, and if you only got four people, that's great. That's a start. Right. Before you jump to the next level and add on. But I think what determines that is the land availability and what you're going to hunt. Um, you know, once we've got that in motion, it's kind of now all right getting the word out finding your hunters finding that particular group um, I know we we advertise a lot social media is the way to go that's where yeah. you find a lot of these folks
3: yeah
2: um, podcasts like today uh, you know can get the word out and then once you've got that it's really taking it right up to you know if it's a I know a lot of times I tell folks dove huntings a great way we do a lot of those Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's social. Uh, you know, you cook, you have food, you hunt, you know, before, after the hunt, that's what the other part of hunting is making sure we're talking about the camaraderie. Right. So any event, even if it's, we're talking about hunting, you know, we want to be able to do that, you know, and make sure we've got all that tied up. But then prior to the hunt, we want, you know, these people never hunted something. I like to do a class, you know, teach them how they'll learn to, let's say we get them, uh, they'll come by and you spend a day. Uh, a couple of hours in the morning, or two, four hours, however long you need—and and we talk about okay, we're doing a dove hunt. Well, we talk a little bit about does. Where are we going to find does? Uh, if it's deer, we talk about deer. We talk about turkey. We talk about the gear you need.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, before they come. Yeah. Uh, and I think the most important factor is then we start talking about firearm safety, safety in the field. What you know, you're going to be using a firearm and. A good point is a lot of times you may have people who have never hunted before, never shot a gun, and that we see that a lot. Yeah. So you got to put some time in the range. you got to take a little bit of time to get them out there, get them comfortable, get them familiar. Um, you know, I know folks that are deer hunting, you talk about other organizations, QDMA, uh, they do a lot with crossbows, They, they you know, teaching people how to handle that. And I think you've got to get that in play before you even put them in the field to hunt. So we try to. This is kind of a step-by-step process. Once we take them through, learn to hunt, then we schedule the hunt. But you've got to realize these are new hunters, so we've got to have people who are willing to take a little bit of a time out of their schedule to go out there and teach them. Right.
0: The mentor. Yeah.
2: And you know, we start looking at, at groups of folks, and I, you know, I'd like to emphasize a little bit. You know, for you and I. We're we're males, and and a lot of times you may have females in the bunch. It may be your younger generation. You know, I think the key is to make sure you are putting a mentor that works with their their age or uh, their gender. Uh, if it's a female, they want You know, they feel comfortable with a female mentor. And believe there's a lot of fe- we have a lot of female hunters. Right. Right. So you know that's that kind of first initial process. So we go out. I like to have a workshop with a mentor. You know, you think about your first hunt and who took you, you know, and then I think about mine and, you know, what they taught me and the safety aspect and respecting the game and, you know, one of the things that I emphasize in these learn to hunt processes is that it's an experience. It's not about what we're going to harvest, what we're going to, you know, it's not about we're out there to shoot everything on the field, but it's the experience. Cause you again, And my dad taught me that, that's who took me hunting, so that's when you're talking to your mentors or, or kind of walking them through the process, that's what you want to make sure they're doing with this new hunter. You want to, you know, step by step, uh, make it enjoyable for them. You know, if they miss, you know, you give them a good time, be patient with them, don't rush them. Uh, you know, so that's, that's the next process prior to a hunt. Once we're to that level, Andy, you know, then it's, it's really putting the hunt on itself. You know, whether it's a dove field, you know, we may be six months in advance planting the field, you know, working with a landowner to do that. If it's deer hunting, we may be putting up deer stands. Turkey hunting out there, scouting, that's the mentor's place in the beginning. So as we get closer, you know, what we found is if you get a really good group of mentors, they're willing to do anything you know I've I've found in the past few years and you might can relate to this is that if you you know for their appreciation I like to have a dinner for them I found if you feed somebody and give them a hat they'll do anything for you yeah so yeah uh, a lot of truth to that and it works out great Uh, so you know these guys are out there on the ground you know we talk about hey you know the the first things first the day we get closer to the hunt you know what we need to feed these folks and we, you know, we'll feed them wild game. That's what it's about. Yeah. The today's new hunter, they're all about nutrition. Right. I'm sure you guys have talked about with other people. And so, you know, we'll, we'll cook up wild game dinners. We'll have all that prior to the hunt and after the hunt. They get an opportunity to, to try uh, any type of wild game, at what they're mainly what they're pursuing so they know what to expect. Yeah. And then we roll right on into, you know, the week of the hunt, you know, getting firearms, ammunition, and then we get out there during our hunt, you know, it, this, this is a process. Once we're there to the hunt, um, you know, we're ready to go and we've got them in the field and we're out there hunting. Well, you know, somebody may ask about, you know, is there liability issues? Well, if it's a chapter, or if it's a group of folks, the great thing if you register it through NWTF, we're covering the liability. It's an, a registered event, so we've got all that covered. The day of the hunt, you know, we'll spend time in the field, you know. We're right out there, they're letting them experience, and if it's a dove field, they may shoot up two boxes of shells and kill one dove. That's that's the way I shoot. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, And then again, it may be, you know, they go deer hunting and we don't see a deer, but they had fun. They saw squirrels, they saw turkeys, Uh, and then once the hunt's done, that's, you know, it's not that hard. If once you kind of get the, the ball rolling, I think the key is to have a good group of guys that will help support you. A, a good NWTF chapter is there to help support it. Um, that's what makes it successful, and that's what uh, And and then after the hunt, the key for everybody is to make sure you're there to support the new hunter or, or take them on another hunt. And, and you know we don't do just. Um, A dove hunt. We offer other opportunities to go hunt, but really putting that hunt together—that's that's that's what it takes. Now, yeah, it can be get aggravating a little once in a while. You may have people cancel, or you don't have enough people to mentor. You know, and I would challenge folks. You know, if you're you're an an outdoor enthusiast and you're passionate about making sure hunting heritage continues. Go to NWTF, we you know, or go to your local chapter and say, hey, I want to be a mentor and I want to get out there and support these people, and and we have resources that you can go and it's a workshop talks about your role, what you what you need to be doing with this new hunter, uh, what what how valuable that position is that you hold down the road as a support for this person after the hunt. They can call you up, and ask you questions. You can take them hunting again. So. That's a lot of what I do. That's that's a full-scale deal, you know, trying to run a hunt and put it together in a nutshell.
3: Yeah.
0: Do you think the the more social type hunts are better hunts for the mentor program because you can kind of, and and I'm not saying you can't talk to someone and kind of coach them along on a deer hunt because you absolutely can. I talk to myself when I'm sitting (laughs) in in the tree stand all the time. I do too. But. Do you think that those you know those dove, dove hunts or squirrel hunts or you know maybe a rabbit hunt or something like that's a little easier to, to do as a mentored hunt or uh, what are It your does. Thoughts?
2: It was something that came up earlier today. We had a, a, a seminar and that was a question. That same question was asked is it easier to do a small game first? I think so. Uh, it's really the social aspect of it. The interaction a right. little bit more. You know, sitting in a deer stand being quiet and not moving that for a first-time hunter, that can get quite,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: you're thinking, why am I doing this? Yeah, I think it's great because you can talk, you're moving around, you're not stationary. It's its easier for them to to kind of be exciting and uh, getting to know other people that are there. I would recommend start out small with these small game hunts and then work your way up to the big game, you know, particularly when it comes to the case of what firearm you're going to use. Yeah. You know, again, you have people that maybe have never shot a high-powered rifle or a center fire rifle, so then what we've got to do is let's start out small and work our way up. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to start out.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there there's obviously, you know, I think a little bit of a struggle as to where you talked about, you know, acquiring the land to put these kind of hunts on. I mean, what where's a good place to start with with that
2: you know the struggles that we see when we we talk to our volunteers and we talk to our court our three coordinators or, or save the hunt coordinate and the first thing they'll tell you is we is finding mentors and finding land access
3: yeah
2: um, one thing we've been able to build up at uh, NWTF at the headquarters is a landowner program um, I've reached out to private landowners who have hunting opportunity there, it could be squirrels, deer, turkey, even offer us up a dove field. I think if you can reach out to those landowners that you know would be willing to offer up, we're not talking about the whole season, a couple times a season to deer hunt or turkey hunt, they're very willing to do that. I think the key to that is you educate them on why you're doing that. Educate them because what R3 is about, why we need to be doing this. You know, I'll have some, well, I don't really want to do, or they want to entertain the youth, that's great. I think that's fine. Um, but if you educate them and they, they see why you're doing this is to ensure, you know, conservation continues, hunting heritage continues, our traditions of hunting, they're willing to do that. Um, you know, they're going to ask you, they're going to say, well, you know, my lawyer or my liability insurance, That's always comes up It says, well, you know, I don't, I can't cover this, but look, if it's an NWTF event registered, we've got it covered. And and there again, I always reassure a landowner, hey, look, this is just for this hunt. A mentor or myself's not going to come back and say, hey, so can we hunt? So it's worked well for us. It's the same thing that comes up, if not with that, partnering or getting with your state or local wildlife agency, DNR. There's public land access everywhere. We've got a huge, uh, Jake's turkey hunt coming up uh, into March
3: mm-hmm.
2: they're gonna be able to hunt on public land and private land so you need to look into that in your planning stage of your hunt uh, if you've got that access uh, it, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to have a successful hunt or a good quality hunt because that's that's key it's always about land the other issue is, is getting volunteers or mentors to yeah. do that
0: Yeah, and. Think social media is a good way to reach out to, Listen, bring in those bu- those mentors.
2: It is, you know, advertising a hunt, um, which we do. Our our group there, communications group, does a really good job. Social media is there. I, that is our outlet anymore. You know, I can yeah. bring these flyers and post them. No, these guys, the the audiences you're looking for, uh, you wouldn't believe the the feedback we get back at NWTF just from posting a mentor workshop day or hey, are you interested in becoming a mentor? Or I'll post pictures of our hunt. Uh, You can go to my Facebook page, and this is hunt after hunt after hunt. I'll get a a message, hey, I want to get involved. I want to do this. So that's our our outlet. That's how we get the message out and find the hunters, find the mentors, even find the landowners. Yeah. How are you vetting
0: your mentors typically? I mean, because, you know, you don't want... I'm not going to say you don't want a newbie hunter, but you don't want the wrong kind of person out there mentoring or attempting to mentor, whether it's for that's a character or safety or experience, whatever it happens to be. That,
2: that's that's a great point, and and you've got to be really, you know, in our world today, really really careful uh, for what you do when you start looking at it. and and I will say there's. Kind of somewhat of a screening process. Uh, we look at one. We look at you know a person's character. Um, you know I tell people and it's in if you go to our resource page, you can pull up the mental workshop. It has it talks about ethics. It talks about character. Those are the two main things. You know, are you out there really teaching the right? fundamentals that need to be taught to this new hunter. One thing that's great about us is we're able to partner with South Carolina DNR uh, there at the national headquarters with our program. They have a take one, make one program. Um, So they have an application that allows me to hand it to that mentor uh, from a a standpoint of having a background check ran on them and have everything checked out. Do they have game violations? Do they um, have any other violations that might hamper them from being a mentor for us. So that side's covered, but then, you know, I like to sit down and talk one on one and you can feel somebody out real quick or about their philosophy. Let's go back to social media. Um the great thing, you know, when you're nowadays and as an employer and you're hiring people and you get an application. You go up there and you saw you go, all right, let me go troll let us find this person. Same thing with our mentors and Real quick, I can pull up a picture of what they're posting of game or the hunting, or we we'll look at that, and it will give it away in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's very it's very important. Um, you know, it's all about our brand or a company's brand. You know, when I, they sign a line or they're mentoring for us uh, in that capacity, uh, the way they represent themselves represents our organization, and we want to make sure we got high quality, ethical good character, uh, someone with really good morals that's teaching the values about hunting and the experience, so that's it's kind of how we're doing things that locating these folks.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. And then, are there any kind of qualifications on, as far as, that you would recommend as far as bringing in the hunters? I mean, what, what are you looking for in hunters? Because I, I don't know. I mean, is everybody that says, hey, I want to go, is everybody a good fit?
2: Believe it or not, the generation today uh, that we're targeting from an R3 standpoint is all about food. That's, that is the target, uh, and that really helps. Everybody's about eating natural right all about well you can't get any natural than what's out there in the woods very true um, so what we've done as a kind of an initiative to start to get the folks there fill the fork programs I know you've heard that word all over mm-hmm. the place uh, we'll, we'll host an event where we do we'll cook all kinds of wild game we might do a wine pairing or something like that with it get them there let them eat food and once they try it and they think man this is great stuff um, the next thing I know it hey I'm ready to try this that's one way um, they're they're hosting all kinds of events around now just to recruit these hunters you know a youth event I, I don't have a whole lot of problems I can post that up and man yeah they come out of the woodwork I mean we filled up four of our youth hunts this year within a matter of two months ahead of time yeah uh, but the new hunting generation it's about hey we're having food or maybe you invite them to a wild game dinner that you know a lot of these churches you know get them you know thinking about wild game or you you host that food it's all about food anymore that's where we find this group and then once you cook up some really good wild game they're ready to go hunting I want to get this on my own a a prime example we did a hunt last uh, spring I, I started working with outfitters to host a hunt, offer up an opportunity. We hunted with a young lady, and and folks can go to our NWTF-TV website, they can pull up Five for Five, and they can watch these hunts. Uh, Some great stuff on there. And you can listen, listen to their interviews, and when you ask them why they did this, she was, Ashley said, when we asked her, why did you decide to hunt? She said, I wanna know where my food comes from, I want to I know that I harvested it and I went home and prepared it." And that was a really key thing for us that said, okay, this is how we target these people. Now that we've posted these hunts on social or on our website, YouTube, where everybody goes now to watch, you know, outdoor television is kind of getting to be a thing of the past. Yeah. That's where we we recruit from. And then you, you won't believe it on social media, you'll get, we'll start getting emails and questions. Hey, I want to do this. I want to learn now. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. It's That's a neat good. thing.
0: So, I was in a seminar yesterday that uh, it was the one where they had a panel and it, it was, a, I can't remember the name of it, but basically, you know, about introducing women into hunting. ladies.
2: Yes. And, absolutely.
0: And, you know, it was a fantastic seminar all the panelists did a great job. Of course, Brenda Valentine's always incredible. But one of the questions that was asked during that was, well, a statement was made of, you know, once we introduce hunters to these mentored hunt programs and they try it, typically they like hunting. But from that point, We tend to kind of, we hunters tend to kind of drop the ball in keeping them involved. What are some of the ways that we can continue to do that? I mean, do do you want to stay in touch with with the hunters that come to one mentored hunt and invite them to another mentored hunt next time?
2: That's, I I think what you just hit on is is one thing that where we drop the ball. It, It does get dropped. Oh, yeah, we do the hunt, but we... It's called social networking. There needs to be that social network or, or resource. You need to be there as a resource for them after. I know uh, we have folks now um, that will text message that are trying it on their own that will ask questions on how to. You've got to be there for that social support. You're that support. Once you've gone past that, You you need to be there for them to call you, text you, email you, and ask you a question. Hey, I'm looking at buying a scope for a rifle. I want to buy a a rifle now. I want to go deer hunting on my own, or I'm looking to to buy this turkey call or whatever. You've got to be there. That is so key because if you're not there for it, the retention aspect is not going to happen. If you have an opportunity, take them to an NWTF banquet. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to get them involved. Let them let them go to a banquet. You know, they're there. The the social aspect of it, being around other hunters, that's a really good one. Um, you know, take them out. Maybe do a shed hunt. You know, go out there and looking for deer sheds. Yeah. You know, take them out early season turkey scouting. You know, it it's not that much to to, to keep them in the loop. You've got to keep them in there, or they're not going to stay. The next step is, yes, I think there's there's other times, you know, things to hunt, offer up another hunt, you know, if it works into your schedule, you need to be there to maybe take them again. But remember, they're taking very, very tiny steps, they're not, they're not used to what this is about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't know where to look, um, you know, one of the things that I want to do this year is what I'm calling the next step, you know, the next step to the new hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with our two new hunters that we took on the R3 hunts is, is following the new hunter. The next step is talking about what other hunt, hunt, other opportunities do they have. Um, I think as I get back, hopefully by the end of the year, maybe you and I can get together and talk about the next step. Yeah. it's a It's a program I want to start putting together so the mentor understands where his role is in the next step. Uh, What are the next hunting opportunities for the new hunter? It may be public ground. Uh, It may be how to join a hunting lease. We've got state agencies that are are willing to come in and talk about here's our public hunting ground. Here, Let's talk about permits and license. Let's talk about our special drone hunts that you can apply for and go on. Uh, Having a group like American Forest Management that we're partnered with come in and talk about joining a hunting lease you know that can be very confusing how do I go about that and you never know that might be the next step a new hunter wants to do you have to be there we have to be there our organization uh, the hunting industry everybody's got to be there to support the new hunter if you don't what you did and all this planning up that one hunt and they go they will drop off real quick and it, it was all for nothing yeah, yeah. So. Uh,
0: and I'm kind of bouncing around but I had another question sure. just popping in my mind that's kind of how my mind works it's scary inside there but what
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: how do you think it's important to have you know maybe someone from DNR or a conservation officer come to your pre-meeting your pre-hunting meeting absolutely Talking
2: about the we We've been, I, and all
0: after, you know,
2: each year, and I, I mentioned this earlier today in the seminar, I, it's still a learning process for me. Uh, every time you do a hunt, you learn something new. I bet.
3: Um,
2: as a, you know, I, I work in the hunting industry also, and when you're doing a hunting seminar on how to hunt a turkey or how to call ducks or whatever it may be, every hunt is a learning process. Every mentored hunt for me is a learning process. What did I do wrong? What do I what do I need to change? Um, so, you know, to me, taking that point and, and kind of saying, all right, what, what do we need to make better for that person? Where do we need to take them down the next step? It, it's always that process. Um, in today's world, you know, everybody's busy, but kind of sticking to that, sticking to those guns and, and staying on track, that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: In that seminar, I was telling you about one of the, it was one of the R3 coordinators or one of the WIDO coordinators mentioned that, you know, and now I'm bouncing back again to the, how do we keep them? Right. So, again, right. It's, it's a scary place to be in Oh, head, yeah. So well,
2: hang I, in there with me. Yeah, and try not to draw a blank. That's, <laughs> that's, I was trying not to do that then, but yeah. But,
0: so I'm, I'm bouncing back to how do we keep these hunters once they come to a mentored hunt, but one of the... the know um, coordinators, our three coordinators from one of the states said, you know, what we do is we create a Facebook page specifically for those hunters that attended that event. Right. You know, so that they can come back and it's a good place for them to network and stay in touch with the mentors and the other hunters. And, you know, if there's one person in there who says or expresses an interest about continuing on and hunting, then, you know, and and maybe they're not as, they're not located as close geographically to that mentee, or mentor, I should say, then, you know, a different mentor might come in and say, well, hey, you know, you're 30 minutes from me, why don't we go squirrel hunting, or there's a dove hunt going on an hour down the road, I'll come pick you up Saturday, and,
2: that's right, and, and, and that's a good point, I mean, these social networks that are out there, there's uh, Go Wild is a, a really good one, and and, you, and th- what you just said, the groups can get on there and discuss, talk about their hunts. Mentors can be on there and say, well, where are you at? Uh, you know, Powder Hook has that same yeah. type program. Um, those are where you try to push these folks. Uh, we do have that Facebook page. We're uh, there is discussion about building a forum page where people can come in and ask questions and. You know, I may be on there, one of our R3 coordinators may be on there to answer questions and start just a talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I may go in there one day and say, hey, tell us about your hunting experience. You know? Yeah. At, I think these are the things that we've got to build up that, that support the well, efforts. And, and you're right, um, it's a good place to find mentors, it's a good place to find hunting buddies you know Mm -hmm. if that's going to be the next thing these new hunters are looking for somebody to get that have gone through this experience that they can go hunt together and learn um and again i think it's great you know they uh and even i I do know that go wild has an opportunity uh they've hooked up with jeremiah dowdy if you know who i'm talking about where they can go in and get recipes yeah. on how to cook it's yeah. just so cool you know and and how things have changed and where it's going but that's where the new age hunter i'm going to call it is is kind of where we're at and what we have to do so yeah. that's yeah. a good support effort
3: very cool
0: so anything else that you can think of i mean it, this Not, is such a huge topic you know we're never going to cover it in you know, 30 or 40 45 minute
2: talk no it, it the only thing that i can really point out you know is there people don't don't stick your head in the sand and think we don't have a problem we have a there is if you're a hunter or an outdoor enthusiast you know the folks that listen to your podcast it's we need to get involved get involved with an organization like the National Wild Turkey Federation get involved with our chapters you know my challenge would be to anybody this spring take someone out hunting that has never done it before yeah Think about what I talked about—the process that needs to happen prior to you want to work your way up to the hunt itself. Make it exciting. Make it uh, something that they're going to want to do again. Um, you know, if you want to get involved, you know, go to our website nwtf.org. They can contact me in the office. Um, I'll be—I left you my information. Yeah. You, you know, they can contact me. You know, get out there, get involved. Uh, it. We do need to make a difference. It's not just for the hunting side of things. It's conservation. It's the resources we have out there. I mean, it's slowly dwindling away. I enjoy what I do. Uh, You know, I've been at it for 30 years. I I tell people, you know, they say, hey, man, you work for NWTF, uh, Mossy Oak, and some of the other companies, and I bet you get to hunt all I said, yeah, I get to hunt, but I'm sharing what I've learned for 30 years plus. I said, you know, I will tell people and watch a new hunter harvest their first turkey, deer, dove, whatever it may be, that would mean more to me now to know that I've made a difference than me harvesting a Boone and Crockett buck or filling my turkey tags each year. I think that's what we need to be thinking about as as hunters that are out there, people that want to get involved. Be passionate about the sport, be passionate about what you're doing to pass it on. Uh, if you're not you know then maybe it's not for you but we've got to be that way we've got to be focused on the future we've got to make sure our traditions can carry because they've been here forever and it's it's a big part of America
0: Yeah. Yeah. well so last year I set the goal for myself or one of the one of my goals was to participate in a mentored hunt yep and I never checked that box off last year because I had a I, I was going to do a, a mentored turkey hunt, is what I wanted to do. And I right. ended up with such a full schedule, I just didn't have time to, you know, I think the state offered two of them right. you know, throughout the season. And so it was, it, I didn't get that checked off. But this year I've modified that goal. And it's not participating in a mentored hunt, it's taking someone turkey hunting who's never been hunting. That's my goal because I can do that on a Monday or a Thursday or any weekend you know so there's a lot more flexibility for me to be able to do that and you know i'm not talking bad about mentored hunts at all because they're huge huge but we can make a difference by just bringing one person and and keeping that person interested in it you know and continuing the invites and it doesn't like you said it doesn't have to be turkey hunts maybe you know it's a phone call and hey i'm going fishing uh well we're gonna we're gonna fish at lunch, and we're gonna squirrel hunt in the morning,
2: right? You know, that's right. That kind of stuff. And and one other thing, you know, hey, I'm running over to Cabela's. You want to go with me?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I'm grilling backstraps in the backyard tonight. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily, yeah, I mean, have to be a full scale event. If you take someone, you're doing. That's what you're doing. I mean, that's what my. I was saying. I challenge anybody this year to take one person. One new person hunting, introduce them to hunting, yeah. and and then stick with them through the process and watch what happens. You know they're going to go back and say, "Hey, wow, that was really cool." They're going to post it on social media. They're going to post their experience. They're going to talk about what they did. You know, I would challenge that. And we, you know, now one thing that's crucial about that, if you took someone, if you're an NWTF member, we have a place that you can go and. If it's not one of our events, it, we call it a non-registered event, but we want to know that you're doing that. We count hunter numbers, new hunter numbers. So you could okay. go there and you could actually say, hey, I went on a, uh, a new, I took a person hunting for the first time, and here's what I did, and, and we can count that. You know, it's all about counting how many people we're recruiting each year. You know, we have that Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative. The Save the Hunt Initiative is is, is about talking about counting numbers and mm-hmm. get people out there. I think it'd be great. I, you know, I we were talking about it earlier in the seminar before we actually started hunting. You know, I was a guide before the word mentor ever came yep. out. It was like, okay, we're going to. I was taking people hunting from the age of nine to seventy-two. Never killed a turkey. That's awesome. So the process people have been doing it they just don't know it yeah yeah and and i think it'd be great i i know last year i went out by myself one morning and i harvested one turkey and then i was sitting there going well why i said okay i did that but i it i was by myself and you know i thought well shoot i should i should have shared that with somebody else and that's kind of what i look at yeah. um and i think if everybody would do that if you get a chance this year you That'd be great we would love to have you up our way uh to you know or get you hooked up with one of our hunts itself so you can uh be a part of that that'd be good we'd love to have you or i can point you in a direction say man hey tag along on this hunt i've had so many and then once you experience it i think the the experience and if you're there and you watch the new hunter and say they harvest a turkey or or whatever it may be You'll have that feeling just as if you harvested your first one, and it, it it's oh, yeah. very gratifying. Yeah,
0: well, and I I have helped a few people get their first turkeys, and you know they they've stuck with it, maybe not to the level that I do it. You know, I've got that right. that uh, needle still stuck in my arm, and it's pumping turkey <laughs> gobbles and clucks and purrs in there, you know, all Absolutely. the time. But they they still go, and you know that's. It is, it's fun, and you sit there with that person after they killed that first bird and watching them look at it up close and, and admire that turkey and relive that hunt, and yeah, I, I think a, a buddy of mine's brother-in-law, we took him to some property that he had access to hunt. Right. And by the way, it's a great opportunity to get a little toe into a piece of property you've never hunted before to, to say, hey, I'll take you hunting. That's right, you know? that's right. And, and it's always good to have an extra shotgun case two turkeys walk up that's right don't shoot the turkey out from under your buddy for there their you first go. bird but there you know. you go. anyway but he still every time I see my buddy's brother-in-law he still talks about that hunt and it was it was exciting you know I would love to say we called this turkey across a river but the hens came across a river and he was with the roosted with the hens and he came across a river with the hens landing in his cow pasture walked up and Saw the decoys and went down in the strut. Realized something, something not right. right. And stuck his head up, turned around, and started to walk off, and I said, "Shoot him!" And he did. So, I mean, he—it was a heck of a hunt, you know.
2: Those are the kind that you'll remember. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when you're talking about remembering hunts that made me think of one in particular, and it—it it made me feel better. And it goes back to what we've talked about about support being there for the next hunter we we took a bunch of clemson students um that were out there this kid was a forester yeah worked it and he's in he's in the outdoors doing the outdoors thing but never hunted never hunted yeah so we go on our first turkey hunt and i we take him out and he's with me this was a, a group effort first turkey gobbles his eyes looked like two silver dollars and he was like wow that was just so awesome I said well that's the hunt to me the gobble is the hunt yeah icing on the cakes if we put a tag so as the morning wore on we jumped on another turkey one of those old mid-morning turkeys you know that roll right up on on you the gun was shaking so bad you could hear the stock rattling and I was just saying be calm be calm be calm and that was so cool turkey strutting in the sunlight in those South Carolina pines well needless to say we didn't get a shot Oh. he thanked me thanked me thanked me thanked me the rest of the day he said man that was so cool that was so awesome he said, he said if all we did was hear that bird gobble this morning and I said well remember it ain't always like that the following year I get a text message because I that's support I'm always back and forth here's a picture of the guy with his bird he goes out on his own oh man does all the reefs on public ground and kills his first turkey, and and if I had it to show you, roughly he says, thank you so much for introducing me to this, learning what I learned from you, and I went out and I harvested my first bird this morning. Wow. So, that's what it's about. Yeah. And now he's hooked for life. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's what it's about. Do you ever
0: sit back and reflect on that and say, okay, I'm probably going to cause him to lose his job, get divorced, <laughs> and go
2: bankrupt? Absolutely. I tell. I, <laughs> and you know, I, my wife, man, I'm so happy. I, I'm glad I've got that support from her. She yep. understands what I do. Because, yep, I said, man, all right, all those Clemson baseball tickets you got, you might as well get rid of sell them because you, you're gonna yep. sell them. You're gonna be out there in the turkey woods. But, you know, uh, that that was that was key. Yeah, that was that's time. That, awesome. so. that is awesome yeah to to,
0: to get that and man I, I i know that even though you weren't with him on that hunt you probably checked that bird off and probably probably absolutely. thought about filling out one of your own tags on that one because that was just as good as being with him on oh that
2: absolutely hunt. and i mean the cool part about it was is that when they come back and tell you and i always say no one turkey's the same and you you've hunted them you know and i'll just go okay he told me step by step, I say, so I did what you did. I crow called, I owl hooded, and I called to him. And I did. I said when he got closer, you said to get quiet and don't make him look you down. And you know that was so cool. I mean, he tells the story. I would love that if I had time is to be go to go back and have an opportunity to hunt with some of these people I've hunted with before yeah. and and experience it with them again. You know, and and to me again, that's that's what this is all about. That's what. Uh, the next generation of hunters, about if we can do that, um, we'll make a difference, yeah. we'll make a big difference. Yeah, no doubt.
0: Travis, man, thank you. I appreciate, Andy, appreciate your time. It, oh, yeah, it's has lot been fun. Of fun. Yeah,
2: well, again, I appreciate your time, appreciate your efforts to get the thank word you. out there. And, and Glad to do you know, it. again, if folks are out there uh, wanting to know how to get involved, look us up at NWTF. If you're in the area, come down here to the convention. A lot going on,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, and and we would love your support. But thank you for your time. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. We appreciate you guys at the NWTF a whole lot. Yeah, man.
0: All right. Enjoy the rest of the show. What'd you think about that? Are you motivated now to get out and? Maybe not necessarily organize a mentored hunt, but help with them. I know you've got some experience with that with a uh, charity hunt that goes yeah. on in your area every year.
1: Yeah, I do a lot of work with Hope Outdoors, which is focused on disabled people of, of all kinds and ages. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see myself looking into these mentored hunts. I don't, honestly, I don't know of any in my area in Tennessee, but. I haven't looked, so this could be something for me to just look up, see where the nearest one would be. I, I personally don't know if I have the time or capability to organize a hunt, but I definitely could see myself taking someone on a mentored hunt. I mean, I win the squirrel hunting championship every year, so I think I could mentor them on a good squirrel hunt, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The championship usually consists of me and like two brothers, so it's, exa- it's not exactly a huge honor, but it is in my family.
0: Well, when it's among family, it means a lot.
1: The stakes are higher.
0: Yes, yes. Well, so I can haven't definitely caught on see yet.
1: that. I got a little secret honey hole where if I go in there, I'm coming out with 10 squirrels and it's happening fast. As long as I keep going there, I'm going to keep winning. Well,
0: I need to bring a buddy up there who has a squirrel dog and we can see what we can really get out of there.
1: I literally cannot imagine because. I've never hunted with a dog. I just walk in there and they're everywhere, man. And, and I just shoot 10 of them and head out. I mean, typically don't even try to really take long shots or anything. I usually get 11 or 12 shots and rock on. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I went in there and did not kill a limit.
0: So you like to wait for them to get just right off the end of your feet as your legs are outstretched and head shoot them and throw them in the bag and ease on out?
1: No, not exactly. I shoot him at the top of the tree when he's like halfway through a nice big hickory nut. <laughs> okay. Uh. Um, I, I will say, this is getting off topic, my dad tore his Achilles tendon one time and bought a squirrel call. It was actually work, because he called up a couple squirrels. It was an interesting thing to watch. But hmm. anyway, I'm going to look into these mentored hunts. I think it could be a good thing. I, I am heavily involved with a organization called hope outdoors which we have those in the southeast mostly if not all of the chapters are in the southeast that partake in taking disabled folks hunting and we provide all the equipment you know sip and puff shooting mounts and all kind of things for these people and make it possible for them to get in the woods so it's along the same lines it's just a different demographic that we're catering to so it's definitely something i'm passionate about
0: yeah yeah it's definitely a good cause
1: absolutely well we'll look into it man and i think i think it would be a good thing for our listeners to check out in their local area see if there's one happening and if you're a skilled dove squirrel deer whatever the hunt is go volunteer
0: yeah there are a lot of organizations that could use some help with these types of hunts and like cameron does the hope outdoors hunt they can always use volunteers so definitely keep that in mind and if you guys have a mind to share the outdoors with someone whether it's putting on a mentored hunt or just being a volunteer for maybe a veterans hunt or something like that wounded warriors hunt then by all means please get involved and do that you know it's a great way to give back and i'm not telling you get you guys anything that you don't already know but it's just you know can be very rewarding
1: absolutely So
0: cool, man. So how about a favor for the week? Do you want to ask for one?
1: Yeah, I'll ask our listeners this week as a favor. We've asked this before. I'm asking you again. Share this podcast or actually share your favorite episode that you've ever listened to of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Pick out the one that you, when you think Turkey Hunter podcast, what's the one that comes to mind? Text it to a buddy one friend just send it to one person and see what they think and that would really help us out hopefully it would help your friend out and you'd get to share something you enjoyed from our podcast So that's the favorite of the week
0: wow that's pretty strong cameron
1: just pick one i mean the content every week should be the best one you've ever heard but
0: (laughs) you said your favorite and so i'm sitting here and i'm thinking which one would i pick And of course, I'll never answer that.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one.
0: But that's pretty tough. So,
1: if I'm a listener, I think there's probably one that you think of where it's like, I really learned something from that one, or I really was entertained by that one. One should pop into your mind, share it with a buddy. That's all I'm saying. Preferably a a buddy who's not already a subscriber.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. That is a great favor to ask. So, good job with that.
1: Well, I guess we ought to wrap it on up then.
0: Let's wrap it up. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes